This is a Wild Conversation. Hi, my name is Callum Hughes. I'm a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And I'm Ashley Isaac, also a zookeeper here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And today on A Wild Conversation, we're going to be talking about species survival programs. The SSP. Exactly. Some serious stuff. And there's a very good reason why we're talking about it. We're going to cover that later on, but uh, we've got some exciting news if you haven't already heard about it. Cal has some very exciting news. We have some exciting news. <laughs> you're, you're borderline their father at this point. <laughs> Honorary uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thinking about SSP, what is an SSP? Species Survival Plan. I feel like the name kind of paints a picture exactly of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a working between zoos across the world to make sure we maintain a large and genetically diverse captive uh, breeding population for endangered, critically yes. endangered and extinct in the wild species. The genetic component of that is incredibly important. And that's mm. a really cool thing about SSPs is they actually have like I've seen the SSP like update thing for the scimitar horned oryx which is a species we have right here at the zoo and it's intense they they basically Mm. release a book like every few years or so and it has like every single individual where they're at who they're related to like their age their weight like everything you know and so they take all these individuals so they compare like you know what, this male would really do well in this facility with these females, and then those babies go blah, 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 blah. It's really cool. I it's, think it's really cool. It's like a really good dating app, right? It was really funny, too, because I flipped through the book until I found ours, and I was like, hee, <laughs> <laughs> And for some species, it's super important. Like oh, yeah. animals like rhinos, for example, have super slow reproductive rates. Well, bringing up the scimitar horned oryx, they at one point, dwindled down to I think it was less than 50 individuals left in wow. the world at one point because uh, they were declared extinct in the wild in ni- in the 1980s mm-hmm. yeah and because of the SSP we have so many individuals now that we've actually been able to release them back into their native ranges sorry I'm really excited that. no no don't be. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what we work for at zoos right, right? It's so cool and for some species it's not just slow reproductive rates it's mm-hmm. cases of poaching that can't be controlled destroyed habitat destroyed habitat diseases um, that are out of control Um, one of the big things that affect a lot of animals too is if their native ranges are located in in an area that's going through a lot of civil war or mm. unrest you know you can't come in and be like hi i'm here to save this animal when the people are suffering yeah right so it gets really complicated when it comes to like conservation of certain species you have to be considering uh, the people in those areas as well and trying to help them. Exactly. They've got to survive and if their trade and supply routes have been cut off due to conflict, they're yeah. going to try and survive off the land and that unfortunately can put um, wild species yeah. um, at risk. But well, and Exactly. And what if their habitat is a war zone? Exactly. You know, they're not going to go untouched. So there's a lot of different things to consider with these kind of, with animals and conservation. I think that's one of the big things with don't quote me on this because I solve from memory. <laughs> but like I think it's the African wild dog. Okay. One of they're one of the ones that are really hard to conserve because the area where they are most commonly found is incredibly dangerous for conservation workers to enter. Mm. So there's it gets it gets tricky. Or at least it used to be. I remember that being a fact. Maybe things have changed now. Mm. You know? 
No, definitely. Um, and, you know, there, there are some places that are just hard to get to, for example. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe it's a case of it's difficult to control the area because it's right on a border, for example, which means whose jurisdiction is it? How Me far too. can you follow poachers, for example? If you're crossing the border, that could be an international instance. So, you know, you've always got to consider these complications. And that's yeah. why it's so important that we have these breeding programs in captivity around the world that acts as like a giant supercontinent. Yeah. Connecting individuals that wouldn't be able to reach each other without human help. And if the opportunity comes where um, there's suitable habitat to reintroduce individuals or we need another individual to introduce genetics into the wild, we yeah. have those individuals in captivity. We just need to um, engage in a reintroduction program, a soft release, so that yeah. animal um, is able to survive in the wild itself. I'm sorry to bring it back to Oryx. Okay. I have talked about them a lot in the past, and they, they really excite me with this kind of stuff. But one of the cool things they did with them is I think they were one of the first, or like maybe not the first, but one of the things that they did to try and help their population is instead of releasing them five, ten individuals at a time, like you usually do, what they did was they had a really large area, and one of the really cool things, they released like 100 or like 200 at once. Hmm. to try and really get them established. I think they did that around like 2017, 2016. I can't quite remember the year. Okay. But they're still classified as extinct in the wild because I think you have to give it five years before you reassess them. So I right. think this year we might be getting an update on it. Ooh, knock on wood, knock on right? wood. Which would be really cool. So, uh, we've got some news here, here at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Yes, we do, and it's not about Oryx. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so, which is funny, because they're actually on your route, but I'm so excited about them. <laughs> um, it is the red pandas. Our yes. male Arun and our, our female Sakura. Our uh, resident pumpkin spice raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> have had two cubs. They have. A boy and a girl. Oh. Who do not have names yet, but uh, yet. we're working on that. I can't tell you how happy I am to have been a part of this project. It's been so awesome um, and so educational. You know, the things I've learned about re re red panda reproduction is crazy. And um, the data that we've collected throughout this entire time period from their introduction to their breeding season to the nesting period to now has uh, been collected. So we can share that information with other zoos. Um, around the world, um, hopefully to increase success rates. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also something that we can attach to Sakura and Arun's file for future reference in case they're used in any other captive breeding programs. And you're just proud in general, because I know how much you oh, love Sakura. She <laughs> She's is. She's like your baby. <laughs> She's amazing. Like she, she's great with training because she's very food motivated. Yeah. And um, people ask about red panda vocalizations. Only during the breeding season do they make those chirping noises, really. But oh, yeah. they make puff noises a lot. Oh yeah. And it's not a hiss; it's a puff. So it's like a, like a. Well, like a like breathing out kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, the cats do that sometimes. But yeah. it's not aggressive. Yeah. It's like I'm here and I'm ready. And Sakura is so determined for training. When we do target training or um, crate training, for example, for a vet checks, she's great. I and I remember I helped you with the red pandas at one time doing like some training and introducing me to them. Yes. And that is the highest I've ever heard your voice. 
you, yes, yeah. you get very high pitched and proud. Hi, baby. Come on, that girl. You see, I didn't fun notice until you guys brought it up. But that's because... I was like, oh, wow, yeah, he, he really loves her. They, they have such sensitive hearing. And so I really want to talk quietly, you know? <laughs> hey, Sakura. Hey, hey, sweetheart. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah. it's been absolutely amazing. And um, I'm so proud to have been... And so grateful to have been a, a part of the team on uh, putting this together. Oh, yeah. We're all proud of you too, man. <laughs> and hey, uh, SSP, although it's it's um, amazing to do to protect species in captivity or well, to make sure we have um, a healthy population in captivity yeah. to reintroduce into the wild, it's also part of the battle. Yeah. The other part is supporting red pandas, for example, or endangered species in the wild. Yeah. So in if, those native ranges. Exactly. Yeah. So if anyone is interested in checking out places that they can help out, I highly recommend the Red Panda Network, mm -hmm. which works in Nepal. Um, they basically uh, have programs that extend to over 1 million acres of forest, and that's 50% of Nepal's red panda range. Oh, wow. And they work in research, collecting data on the species, education and outreach to local communities, anti-poaching. They uh, provide sustainable livelihoods for people um, who live and work in those areas to make sure they don't damage the red panda habitat. They vaccinate dogs because one of the problems that red pandas face in the wild is disease transfer from... Um, from animal to animal. Exactly. From dogs, yeah. And believe it or not, red pandas are car are in carnivora and they're on the canid side of the family. Really? Yeah. I did... What? They're, uh, they're I did not, not know that. A canid, it's like carnivora like is closer. Yeah. yeah. It's like the carnival family split into two groups. It's caniformes and feliformes. Yeah. So cat-like predators and dog-like predators. By the way, Ashley, can I ask you a forbidden question? Uh, but the other, but the... Putting you on the spot. Okay. Are you a feliformes person or a caniformes person? Are you asking me if I'm a cat person or a dog person? No, well, I mean, <laughs> feliformes or caniformes. So you also get hyenas in the feliformes. Oh, there you go. Um, but if you're in caniformes, you get the bears, the dogs, and the weasels. I work with all of these types of animals. I know, that's why I'm putting I, you on the spot. Yeah, but that's, you can't make me pick favorites. It's, that's not fair. It's not okay. Sorry, that was unfair of me. <laughs> okay, I take that back. I like all of them. The oh. other thing people can do if you want to support red pandas in the wild is if you get the opportunity, go to a national park that has wild red pandas. Your money will help support local uh, businesses and economies and the economy of that country and provide additional incentive to expand national parks or to increase protections to protect in the wild. Just a few off the top of my head, I believe the Giant Panda National Park in China has red pandas, Ooh. snow leopards and giant pandas, oh, as wow. in the name. Uh, Pardon the pronunciation of some of these names. I might get them wrong. Uh, Nonda Pa National Park, uh, No Creek National Park, Long Tang National Park, Fram Shingla Na National Park as well. I might have mispronounced those, so I apologize. Um, these are found in, I believe, Bhutan, uh, Nepal, and India. Um, Okay. which is part of their range. Nice. So, hey, if you get a chance, I already had one person come to do a behind the scenes with the red pandas, and he told me he's actually seen a red panda in the wild. That's really cool. I am so jealous of that guy. I saw a toucan in the wild once. Really? Yeah. That one trip I did to Belize, I told you about. Oh, man. Once. My, my one experience out into the wild world. 
<laughs> it's so cool when you are out somewhere, and especially if you're not expecting it, you just turn around and you're like, oh yeah, you guys live here. <laughs> <laughs> but there are many other species that we should talk about for SSP. The Sumatran rhino, for example, mm -hmm. that was a massive struggle. We talked about that when we did our episode for Theodorable, where we were talking about our yeah. southern white rhino, Theo, yeah. um, and other rhino species. Um, apparently, it took 100 years, over 100 years, for us to have a success for a calf born in captivity for the Sumatran rhino. Wow. And that was done at the Cincinnati Zoo, I believe. It's, it's incredible that we've managed to do things like that you know like exactly just turn things around it takes so much commitment and so much time but you know yeah yeah and i you won't find them there now i think all sumatran rhinos are back in a national park at the sumatran rhino sanctuary where they have this large um open enclosures and they're engaging in a breeding program there and protecting the remaining rhinos because I think there's less than 100 estimated in the wild right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so they need they need our, our help and our attention. Exactly. Um, others, we've got the kakapo. I think that's one of your favorite birds, right? <laughs> they're so funny. <laughs> they are weird for reproduction because they, they, have, um, they actually time it with a berry that might be fruit once every three or seven years and i mean like three or seven i'm not saying like i don't know i think it's like it's random weird right huh um other species as well amphibians right now really need our help oh yeah um because there's a, a chytrid fungus that infects them Ooh. and they're um, so sensitive oh absolutely such sensitive creatures usually you can tell when an, uh, an ecosystem is starting to go down by their amphibious population, that's going to be affected first, usually, right? Exactly. Um, in fact, uh, I saw at the uh, Vancouver Aquarium, oh, yeah? they have a breeding program for the critically endangered but hasn't been seen in the wild since 2007, I believe. Ooh. Um, the golden, uh, the Panaman golden frog, Ooh. which is actually a toad by the way. <laughs> of course, of course it is. <laughs> um, but they uh, unfortunately have been affected by this fungus and this disease um, significantly. And although there are captive breeding programs and we're looking into ways that we can help the species be immune to that disease, um, they haven't been suitable to be released into the wild yet because the second they would, they'd probably get infected. Yeah. And you don't want to risk that when you've got such a critical species or like Critically small species pool, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and hey, we've also got to share some of the successes that are happening around the world right now in 2022 or within a year of this date as far as uh, endangered, critically endangered or extinct in the wild species that have been born. Uh -huh. There's been a Sumatran orangutan born in Toronto, Oh. which is pretty cool. They're critically yeah. endangered. Um, three... I Sumatran tiger cubs were born at the London Zoo. Oh, that's exciting. One pygmy hippo at the Sydney Zoo. Oh. Right? One Sumatran rhino at that uh, Sumatran rhino sanctuary I was talking about. Oh, that's so exciting. They had one this year? Yep. <gasps> that's so good. Right? Oh. Gotta love the chubby unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, an Amar leopard at the Nyabi Zoo in Illinois. Oh, yeah. uh, an Eastern Bongo at Chester Zoo. Uh, two Bornean uh, orangutans at the Guadalajara 
Zoo, I might have mispronounced that, um, and one Bornean orangutan at the Auckland Zoo. That's really cool. Right? Yeah, there's lots of successes everywhere if you just look. Exactly, lots of a successes. Lot of, a lot of success. Making sure that we're working together, that they have the healthy genetics and whatnot. Um, and uh, this is important too because there are some species that we don't know how to breed in captivity yet. Mm -hmm. And we really want to know because they're at risk. One prime example is the pangolin. Pangolin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have looked, I have searched, I've heard of um, uh, young ones being taken into care and looked after at zoos or rescues being looked after at zoos, but yeah. I've never heard of a successful breeding. Hmm. There might have been one in China, at a zoo in China, but yeah. I don't know. Um, and this is important because they are being poached quite heavily. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, it's very hard for them to be protected because their defense is to roll up into a ball, which just makes them easily picked <laughs> up, unfortunately. Oh, poor guys. Um, hopefully we can collect data and work together with other zoos and find a way to um, to successfully breed these animals in the wild. So they can be re-released back into the wild. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point of SSP and zoo con conservation. It's very exciting. Definitely. Oof. Well, this has been a great conversation. If anyone has any questions for us regarding SSP, um, please do not hesitate to contact us at podcast at gvzoo.com or DM us on our social media. I'm Callum Hughes. And I'm Ashley Isaac. And this has been A, a Wild, Wild Conversation. conversation.